to the Progress Not Perfection podcast with Dr. W. I am really, really excited today, audience, because I have not one but two very special guests with me here today. So first, I want to welcome back to our show, uh, our one of our favorites, Kevin Anglad, is back with us here today. Welcome back, Kevin. Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? Thank you for having me again, Dr. W. It's always a pleasure being on your podcast. Happy to be back. Awesome. So thank you so much for being back. And if you haven't checked it out already, please check out the Wise Guys New York NYC podcast. I often share them on my social media because I am a big fan. So please also check them out and give them some love. Um, And we'll be talking more about your podcast, I'm sure, throughout our conversation today as well. Of course. Thank you. Yep. And our and our second guest is someone that you've heard about on our podcast, and he is making his debut podcast appearance today. <laughs> yeah. We're so excited because Uncle John is here. Yes, Uncle John. Woo! <laughs> Woo! We are so excited. So let me, let, let me clarify a little bit before he starts talking. Uncle John is our colleague, and his name is really... Dr. John Kanya, who is an English professor who works with us. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. John Kanya. Well, I thank you. I, uh, I take the insult, okay, boomer, as a positive part of my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, this, is, this is unusual for me because uh, technology as a boomer has never been my friend. And uh, this year, my goal was to write a blog which I did. Oh. Yay. Yeah. And now I, I have, I've done my first podcast and people are shocked that I actually know what a podcast is or that I can have the opportunity to do one. So this is going to stretch my uh, understanding like you wouldn't believe. Uncle John, we are just building your resume. That's what we're doing, okay? Yeah, yeah. At my age, I don't need my resume built. I need it shortened and repackaged. We're building a skill set on your resume. Oh, skill set. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so we are here to also talk about, so uh, to clarify to the audience a little bit more, John, Kevin, and I work together. We're all colleagues at, at the university, right? Uh, Kevin and John both teach in the English department. I'm in sociology and I just kind of come and bother them because the English uh, department is where all the cool kids are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I come and bother them and let's, uh, I need some help with my grammar. So I sometimes need the editing, right? Um, So we have worked together in the past. Um, I know Kevin and I shared the story in our first podcast about how we all met. And honestly, that was about a year ago. Yes. Yes. That was about this time last year. So, uh, yes. John and I. So, to give a little bit more background, John and I have been working together for about I don't know six or seven years yes, now, at least. At least, and um, in that time, we've definitely grown um, in a working relationship. We've done a lot of writing and a teaching. We we do a lot together. We're kind of each other's twin at the university when we're together. Um, and then one day, John tells me, "I'm so excited." You have to meet this instructor. He is new to the university and I, you got to meet him. I'm like, okay. He's like, come on, we're going to go meet Kevin. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I just, whatever John tells me to do, I'm like, okay. And it really didn't matter whether he was teaching or not yeah. at, the, at the time. Yeah, Kevin was in yeah. the classroom. And we um, opened the door and we let ourselves into the classroom. <laughs> 
Yes, we did. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, and so John's like, you got to meet this guy. He is phenomenal. And I'm like, if you say he's phenomenal, I already like him. So I'm going to go meet him. And I'm like, he's going to be my friend, too. So we met Kevin when he was uh, t- when he is teaching at Goodwin University. And we uh, why I say this in all the funny way, we kind of came into his classroom. We're like, hi. We're so-and-so, so-and-so. It's nice to meet you. We're going to work together, but we're going to leave for a week and a half so you won't see us because we were on our way to England to present at a conference. Um, oh, man. <laughs> That's and, something for sure. Yeah. And um, and then when we came back, we, we got to know each other a little bit more and work together as colleagues. Did I leave anything out of that story or was I just totally silly there, Kevin? Uh, no, I honestly, I think that you pretty much nailed it in the head I just remember I just remember feeling as if like I wanted to pee in my pants that day because I was just so nervous like I was so nervous I had never taught you know on the collegiate level before and you know instructed at that level so I was just uh truly truly nervous and um I remember when you guys walked in I was like okay cool I was like some new mentors you know I mean you know like for newbie educators when you see when you see, you know, instructors that have been doing it longer than you, whether it's on the K through 12 level or the, or the college level, you're just like, oh, wow, new mentors, excellent. And then you guys introduce yourselves, so you guys made me feel a little comfortable. But then you guys are like, all right, well, we're taking off, we're flying out, bye. I was like, wait, what? I was like, what's going on here? I was like, oh, my gosh, like, for real? Seriously? And I was like, I, and I just, I, honestly, I just didn't know how it was going to work. I was like, they can't just come back and then everything go back into sync, right? And then let alone 11, 12, 13 days later, whatever it was, you guys came back and then you guys were right back into sync with me. I was like, yep. I was like, they did. They definitely did it. I didn't expect it, but yeah. it was just amazing. Just, you know, just getting a chance to do the Summer Bridge program with you both and learning so much from you. That was a big learning curve for me, just that whole entire summer. So just getting a chance to pick both of your brains and you all um, just checking on me, you know, at the end of every session to see how I was doing. I think it truly prepared me for the fall. So, you know, thank you both for that. No problem. Thank you. And it's it's just kind of really nice to hear and, and say, because, you know, again, when John had met you first and he's like, you got to meet this guy, you're going to love him. I'm like, OK, you know, like, let's yeah. go. And, and, you know, and as much as we recount the story now in a funny way, it was something like we met you on a Tuesday and we were leaving on Wednesday. We were like leaving the next day. So we wanted to at least say hi. But uh, we'll see you in 10 days, you know, because. We yeah. So it was that close. So, you know. You know, we've definitely have collaborated on some projects, even though, you know, and and really worked well together. So one of the things, um, as you know, we learned, Kevin and I learned that we were both doing podcasts around the same time. So we've definitely collaborated yeah. around that. And then we always had this kind of dream of having a podcast about the intergenerational workplace. And that's what we're doing today. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited. So before we get into our conversation as much, I maybe I should just say I... I self-identify as a millennial. I'm a very proud millennial. I am uh, on the older side of millennial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm an elder millennial, as they say, I think. Um, but I definitely, you know, the more that, you know, just to sort of say where we're at with it before we start our conversation, because I definitely identify as millennial. Um, but most of my colleagues in higher ed are baby boomers. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Kevin, I cut you off. Go no, ahead. I cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Finish. No, I'm sorry about it. Say, yeah. You know, we, we work in, you know, as much as we work in education, a lot of the colleagues that I work with are 
not millennials necessarily, you know, and how do we sort of navigate all of that? And how does that all work? My best example of that, Kevin, and uh, to Lisa's point, is I love to tell the story that I have been teaching as long as the two of you have been alive. <laughs> and, and, but that is, that's part of what the baby boomer generation is. We are, have been around uh, enough where we've developed a knowledge base, but there is areas where the, the baby boomers are not as strong. And, and here's where the millennials have the upper hand when we look at uh, social media, I mean, as a baby boomer, I, I have a Facebook account and that's pretty much it. And uh, it was funny because in one of uh, Lisa's social classes, she just had the students list all of the social media that they are aware of and that they use on a regular basis. And they got 24 different uh, platforms from Twitter to Reddit to you know, a WhatsApp to things, TikTok that I would never even consider using. Hmm. But you, the two of you have that understanding, not, not only because you use social media so well, but that you understand that the students are in that place and that they're taking that space and making it their own. Because when I look at one of the major debates with my colleagues that, who are boomers is the role of the cell phone in a classroom. Mm. They truly believe that no cell phone should ever be seen on a desk or anywhere in a classroom. But that's a problem because, as you know, the cell phone is the right or left arm of most of our students. And the fact that they use it more as an extension of themselves and not just as a tool really uh, messes the, uh, the heads uh, of, of a baby boomer. You know, they just don't have that understanding because we were born when there were landlines and mm. you had to, you, you didn't have a phone on you. You had to go to a phone. And I'm, I'm just wondering how, what you see in terms of, you know, student use, colleague use, that kind of stuff, the technology piece. Right. And I mean, it's funny that you, so when you said that I was born when there was a landline, right? Because I'm like, I was born when there was a landline too, right? And that's <laughs> kind of where my clarification was with uh, being an elder millennial too, because I was about 15 when technology really took over. So I kind of grew up before that and then experienced it later. I was going to say, uh, for me personally, I don't know, this is all interesting because, um, again, kind of connecting back to what you said, Lisa, um, I can remember a time personally where, um, you know, it was like mid to late 90s, you know, and I was just young enough to have like my earliest of memories. And, you know, I was able to like, you know, play with cassette tapes and, VA and watch movies on VHS and things of that nature, you know, just before like those things started phasing out and like DVD players and stuff like that. And CDs mm -hmm. started coming in in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And then, you know, the whole social media explosion after AOL with Facebook, MySpace and all those things. So right. I will go as far as like, you know, have a Facebook, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, but I'm still not 
as hip, I don't think, or in tune to the point where I feel as if I need to have like a Snapchat and like a Reddit and like all of those other things. Like, I don't know. And like the, the Vimeos, like I feel as if it's all so much. And the TikToks, like all of these things. I'm like, you know what? Just give me three and I'm done. You know, that's yeah. me personally. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because like, you know, depending on like the age in which like, you know, the age that you are and as well as like which generation you're from, sometimes you might be an in-betweener. You might not really be fully like a baby boomer or like a millennial, mm -hmm. you know, and you might just be in between like, a, you know, the millennials or the Gen Z, you know, you might be in like, like me personally, like, you know, I was born early nineties, but at the same time, like, I know that for sure I can connect with like, you know, just the beginning of Gen Z, because I think they're, what, 97 or something like that. So, like, 90. I remember yeah. 98, right? Like, and, and yeah. I remember the earliest of my memories personally in life. Oh, my gosh, I'm making myself sound so young here. Was uh, just remembering uh, <laughs> President Lincoln, uh, President, uh, sorry, President Clinton's second yeah. term. Like, that's 1997, 1998. Like, that's like my earliest of memories. I was about seven, six, seven years old at that time. So, like, um, you know, I feel as if like I'm kind of caught in between like a couple of generations. So for me, it's like I'm able to like, you know, like, like, like be stuck in my ways in, in, in some type of ways when it comes to like my instruction and my teaching methods, you know, but at the same time, just try to be a little bit open minded and just be open to like new things, even if it kills me, like even like whether it's the music or the things that the kids are into that I'm not into. I'm just like, look, this isn't for me. All right. I'm. I kind of feel like a, a grandpa right now, but you know, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think we had this conversation on my podcast a while back, but I think I'm trying to uh, uh, grow comfortably and fit into the role as like, a, you know, the, the big brother kind of role in, in regards to like the way I teach. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's really interesting. And I'm looking forward to how that changes as I age. So <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> Well, well, Kevin, let me just remind you that when in your conversation and you're, t you're throwing out these 90 uh, d dates, yeah, <laughs> right now my AARP card is burning a hole in my pants pocket, okay? Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You, you make a very good point. It, we, I think millennials where baby boomers have adopted Facebook and Facebook, you know, my students, my younger students say, oh, Facebook's for the old guy, old people. You are moving and, and adapting to your particular needs, mm. like an Instagram account, yeah. like a mm -hmm. Twitter account, where, you know, our students are the Gen X's, Z's and Y's are using a wide variety. If they're sitting on their Xbox, they're using the chat feature there or there, you know, where <laughs> it's X true. <laughs> Xbox, I know, I know that my nephews have it. I've never touched an Xbox in my life. But so mm -hmm. at, at least I, I think the millennials have a, a wider understanding and it, when it comes to the use of social media. But in higher ed, I think we've come to the point where we have to collaborate and we have to work together mm. because, but you know, in, in uh, like uh, Lisa had said before, the corporate trend is this reverse mentorship mm. where if we're sitting, you know, when we were sitting in the center for teaching excellence and you're, we're having a conversation, you said, Oh yeah, I use this feature of this and that. And I'm looking, okay, you're teaching me the technology that will help me be a better person in the classroom and that's that reverse mentorship that really really makes a difference 
And that's what I see when it comes to my younger colleagues, especially someone like you who is so in tune to student understanding. You're so focused on how the, how the student learns and you're not someone who stands in front of a classroom, you know, lectures like Ferris Bueller, mm -hmm. you know, Bueller, <laughs> Bueller, right? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. You know, you're, it, it's, it's a classroom that's active, that's moving, that's using every resource and every tool. And if, even mm. if you, you know, Google a definition kind of thing, that's where, you know, higher ed has to go. Mm. You know? Right. And, and, you know, a couple things to that, you know, as you were talking, John, I just thought about, and even to, and to what Kevin was saying, I think sometimes like what millennials, you know, we may get that, you know, some of the stereotypes are that, you know, we jump around from different jobs or, you know, that we're kind of looking for other things. Right. But I think it really speaks to adaptability of millennials because yeah. we've had to adapt. Mm. You know, I graduated college December 2007. Can mm. we talk about a worse time to graduate college? OK, so mm -hmm. like we've always had to, you know, look for different opportunities, go to grad school right away, all of that. We've always had to fill needs in in different ways um, in our adult lives. So I think, you know, to Kevin's point, I'm very similar to him. Like I have a YouTube channel, which I barely use, or I have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I still am figuring out Twitter, I'll admit. You know, Instagram's kind of my thing, though. Yeah. Um, Instagram's <laughs> my thing. It's kind of awesome. Um, but we've had to adapt, you know, and I think... Yeah, you know, we, that has kind of helped. I don't know. I can't speak to any other generation, but I feel like if you were an, a young ish adult post 2008, you had two major things happen, a major economic crisis and a major expansion of technology. Mm -hmm. And you had to figure out one and the other right away. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I wish I was a little more tax savvy. I mean, I, I always say there's a mar there's a reason why I married a guy who works in it. Okay. He explains yeah. a lot of things. I'm joking, but you know, he explains a lot of things to me. But technology is going to be the big thing, and we're recording this during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Right, right. So think about how much we've, as educators, have had to jump on and rely on technology to keep our students going right now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I think um, I want to go back to John's point, mm -hmm. Uncle John's point about um, you know. Uh, you know, inst instruction, you know, in, in this current day and age, because I feel as if like, um, even though students don't say it, you know, and, and this is not to like put down any faculty, you know, fellow faculty members or things like that. But like, I'm, I'm even taking the, the, the point of the perspective of a student, right? I feel as if many students feel as if like, they're not being fully serviced in terms of like, receiving a, a form of instruction that will allow them to synthesize the information at face value and then up, make it applicable to mm. um, the standards that, you know, uh, the instructors want them to perform at. And I think, I think what, what really goes a long way is that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a new, it's a new millennium. It's 2020. And I feel as if the, just sitting down, you know, in front of a class and just receiving content through a lecture and through a PowerPoint, it just doesn't work anymore. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that it doesn't fully work anymore. I think it does work, but I think it can't be your sole method or framework for teaching, right? I think you have to, 
divvy it up, as Uncle John said, in terms of making sure that students are moving and they're actively engaged. I, you know, um, um, another mentor of mine uh, that actually works in higher ed too, um, uh, I, I, I want to give a quick shout out to her, Elaine Thompson, uh, mm -hmm. Professor Elaine Thompson from Queensborough Community College back in Queens, New York. Um, yeah. I used to work with her a couple of years ago, and she told me um, specifically that when it comes to when it comes to teaching, you want to make sure that the students are uh, being well, that, that the students are being fed in regards to the information that they're receiving, that they're well versed on the material, and that the only way to truly do that is to have the students, you know, fully up and at them, like moving and engaged and things mm. of that nature. And she told me something that I found to be really striking and it was really poignant. She told me when you, you know, when, when you go into, uh, and I know John can relate to this too, when you go into K through 12, when you, when mm. you go uh, into K to 12 and you teach K to 12, the type of teaching experience that you ascertain is a form of teaching experience that a lot of folks on the higher level ed, um, high, higher ed level do not have because you're learning, you're learning different forms of pedagogy and different mm -hmm. type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the term that we use. Um, like active just, learning strategies? Yes, active, right, right, exactly. Active learning strategies that you can actually implement, you know, into your teaching, which will allow not only you to grow as an educator, but will also allow the students themselves to own the learning and as well as facilitate and lead their own learning. So I usually do many things such as four corners activities where I'll put like four, um, you know, four poster boards on, you know, throughout the room, one on the, one on the left side, one on the far right side, one on the uh, upper left and upper right corners of the room. And then I'll give them Sharpies or markers. And then let's say we'll have a Venn diagram. And then their job is to jot down, you know, different, you know, like themes and elements of a story or do a lot of comparison and contrast about things. And then I'll have them rotate like every five minutes, they'll, they'll, they'll be in groups and then they'll rotate to each and every single board and then they'll jot things down. And then after they've you know, been able to hit all four stations, they will uh, then synthesize the information to me and they'll share out. And I feel as if they really enjoy that because you know, mentally they, 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 they dread having to come into class especially if you're teaching a, a, a dang near three hour class, right? Like you come mm -hmm. in, let's say for six and you, you're expected to stay until 8.50 or you come in at 11 and, you're, and you expect to stay until 1.50 p.m. And it just kind of breaks up the monotony, you know? And I think that's very, very important in this day and age because as time continues to move and as technology continues to advance, I think technology subconsciously dwindles uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the mind, the, the mindset, or it dwindles the, um, the, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Someone help me. Span? The attention span. Exactly. <laughs> precisely. In regards to what exactly you can, uh, um, um, download and synthesize within the time frame. So I think it's just really, really important and mindful to, to do that, you know, and then I'll also break up my classes too. with like videos, like we'll watch videos pertaining to a topic on like, let's say racial discrimination or, you know, women, you know, women's suffrage or women's empowerment. So that way they're able to also synthesize visually too, you know? Um, so I think, I think what John said is truly important because I feel as if the moment we get stagnant in higher ed, I think that's when, you know, things will start to crumble for the following generations to come. Mm. I want to really emphasize the point that you made in terms of higher ed faculty, our content area experts, mm -hmm. but 
how well versed they are in pedagogy and and those strategies that students really really need you know and uh, what what's the fallback for a lot of older faculty the lecture like you said the lecture the lecture maybe a powerpoint you know and it that doesn't make for a class that doesn't make for real true learning like you said it's the the kind of thing that they have to think that they have to act on that they have to then synthesize that really really makes a difference and you know when you describe your classroom you are spot on when it comes to students gaining more information than they ever could in that so-called traditional classroom mm. you know and but you know at Goodwin, we have that opportunity to have 20 students in a classroom and not necessarily the 150 in a big lecture hall mm -hmm. that, you know, limits that those possibilities to do small group instruction, to do those kinds of activities that you're talking about that really make a difference for our students. You know, and you're right. In K-12, student le learning has always been active. So in high school, it starts to slow down. And then when they get into higher ed, it's sitting at a desk or, and, and just be inactive for two hours and 50 minutes for a particular class. What have you gained? What have you learned? And that, that's a, an antiquated model that we can't, we can't uh, keep going because students, are, we've, we found that millennials and, and Gen X, Ys, and Zs are more savvy when it comes to college and college choices. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Because of the money factor, the mm -hmm. finance. Are you going to spend a huge amount of money for your education, and what are you getting out of it? Wow. And that makes a difference. And especially on those topics, you want to tune into the At the Wise Guys New York City, NYC, because they cover those topics a lot. <laughs> Did I yes, I'm we a big do. Fan? Did I yes, you did. Thank you so much. We are, yeah, we are humbled and honored, and we appreciate you so much. Mark says he cannot wait to meet you. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> but you know, and and I, I say that as as a plug, you know, and a shout out to to your podcast. But you know, yeah. to what Uncle John was saying, you know, a couple of things to that, right? You know, is that model of going in and lecturing? How does that apply to the world today when we're moving so fast with technology, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I can't think of an industry that you don't use technology, except for one. But that's, that's, it's, I don't even know if I'm right there. I can't think of an industry where you're not using some sort of so software platform, anything, right? Or even just think about every day. And I don't know, Kevin, if you do some of these things too. I don't, I've never seen Uncle John do it, but like <laughs> I, on a oh, daily basis, on a daily basis, right? Like if I go mm -hmm. somewhere and I'm like, oh, I need to remember that. I take a photo of it of, with my phone. Yes. You know, yes. I take a photo. I'm like, oh, remi remind me about that. Or if my husband has to go get something, you know, from the store, he'll take a photo of it to remind himself, right? Mm -hmm. Like with mm -hmm. one silly example, but it's how you use technology almost every day. So standing up and lecturing without using any technology, is, does that even apply anymore you know right it doesn't even matter anymore with with technology and you know to what uncle john was just saying is like you know one thing we know as educators is you know is college truly the answer anymore 
you know, that's true. We all wow. grew up at a time where, okay, maybe I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't say that. I know when I grew up, my parents were like, look, we came to this country for you to have a better life. You're going to go to college. And that college was the answer. Right. And then I just mm-hmm. kept going. Mm-hmm. My question now is, is college even the answer? It's a great question, honestly. That's a really, really great question. I mean, you know, this is something, um, something obviously, as, as uh, noted before by you, you know, um, me and my co-host, Mark Pruden, we talk a lot about on our podcast in regards to whether colleges, whether, they, you know, whether or not college is the answer anymore. Me personally, I still believe in college and I think college is an essential tool in order to, um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, when you think about college, like I feel as if college is an essential tool for one, you know, in terms of just, you know, getting a head start on life in regards to a career field of your choice and what, what you might be interested in. Yep. Also too, I, th- I, think, I think when we think about, you know, communities of color, I think college is a great opportunity for people to socioeconomically move up, you know, up, up a bracket financially, you know, uh, due to, you know, the, just the access of education and as well as just, you know, just the possibilities that opens up in their, in their network, as well as what, you know, what fields they may, you know, they, they may be interested in. Because I think, you know, prior to that, I feel as if, you know, our parents, um, especially when, when we think about our parents who come from, you know, third world countries or for communities of color, uh, you know, whose parents haven't been in school, I think college is a way for them to, again, you know, just build in terms of moving up a bracket in, mm-hmm. in terms of socioeconomics. It helps them a lot. And, I, and I'm not saying, you know, you cannot do that without college, because obviously, as we all know, there are trades, you can do a trade and, you know, you can go that avenue as well. But, you know, it's true what they say when they say college isn't for everybody, yeah. but also college is for a lot of young folks who, who haven't either been pushed in the direction of college or who haven't been given the sufficient amount of chances and quality of opportunities in order to attend school and really do something with, with their lives. Now, obviously that's me personally, I, you know, I think that's more so, you know, inequities in, in, in general, as, as opposed to, you know, students not really being able to, you know, go down that route. Um, but I, these are things that are really important, right. And, you know, they should be, um, examined, you know, all across the board and thoroughly looked at across the table. Um, I know Mark, he's more so against college because he's thinking about college in terms of um, a need basis, meaning that, you know, we need doctors, we need lawyers, mm. uh, we need, we need en- you know, engineers, you know, um, we need people that fit that mold. We need dentists, like we cannot function our economy without them. So he's thinking more about college on a business perspective in terms of if I'm going to send my, my son or my daughter off to college, how will he or she uh, choose a, um, how will he or she choose a core subject or, you know, mm-hmm. a major that will benefit not just themselves, but will benefit the economy because the, because the economy is requiring and asking for that job as a needs, as a needs based business and asset. Yes. So I can totally understand the kind of perspective someone such as himself may have on that. Um, and even though I consider him to be my brother, we have dif- differences because yes. I like all, for all my children, you know, all my future children to go to college if possible, you know, um, and more so where he's like, if it's necessary, it's necessary. And if it's not, then they can just follow him and learn a trade or learn how to build a business. But um, I think one thing that this generation has now, as opposed to many generations prior to, I think this generation has an abundance of options. I mm-hmm. think there's just a, 
a myriad of different avenues you can go down, you know, whether it's apprentice, apprenticeships or, you know, uh, internships, and as well as, again, going to trade school and doing manufacturing or something of that sort. But the, the key, and we talked about this before, Lisa, but the key to excelling and to going down whatever route or mold that fits you best is mentorship. Mm -hmm. You need mentorship in whichever field you're going down. That's what I think. I want to emphasize a couple of points that you made, though, Kevin. When you mm -hmm. talked about when it comes to communities of color, the quality of their opportunities and especially equity and access. Lisa and I have been having a conversation about now we're in the pandemic. We have students who need technology but don't have the opportunity to get that technology to be able to do the Zoom meeting or whatever mm -hmm. that's required of them simply because they're in poverty or they, they just don't have that access. And for me, that requires colleges and universities to revolutionize. If you're going to say you're open for everyone, then you have to ha provide the necessary supports for everyone. And that's where I think colleges and universities fall short in many, many respects. I won't even start going to talking about equity and access and the lack of opportunities in K through 12 in, in areas where there are communities of color. I just, when you see what is out there, we need to revolutionize what is what we call the supports. Mm -hmm. we, we, because it's just not there and, and students suffer. And, and I've seen that so much. So, you know, I'm, I'm teaching class sessions with a zoom meeting and I have this poor student who has been because of poor bandwidth on their internet. Cause that's, that's all they can afford. They said it's Walmart, Walmart, uh, internet. I'm not going to, you know, say anything bad about it, but you know, they they are bounced out of the session 12 or 13, 14 times. And I applaud their their perseverance. But at the same time, we got to help that student. They can't go to the libraries because the libraries aren't open. They, you know, they can't sit in the Starbucks to get that bandwidth. They're home yeah. stuck with what they have. And yet it's not enough. And what do we can, what can we do to support this kinds of student who hungers for learning, who hungers for an education, mm -hmm. but just can't, you know, that door is just not opening wide enough. That's, Absolutely. that's where my issue is. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want to, I want to pose a question to both of you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, I know a lot, of, including myself as well, right? I know a lot of, uh, you know, because of this pandemic, I know a lot of instruct instructors struggled to adjust and acclimate themselves to the online distance learning um, as a result of, you know, maybe if they, you know, not, not everyone, but maybe if they haven't taught an online course before or a hybrid course, such as myself, you know, it, it definitely was a bit of an adjustment, like I know it was for me. Um, do you both think that um, the lack of and adjusting, I mean, well, at this point, everyone had to adjust, you know what I'm saying? But I'm talk, I guess more so I'm, in this context, I'm talking prior um, pandemic. Do you think that the lack of an adjustment to the times or to the needs of the students 
Um, do you think that that in itself uh, hurts the the connection and as well as the the the, the building of the rapport and the and the relationship um, with, with with the instructor and as well as the student? Because I feel as if like um, if you didn't prioritize you know technology in your classroom prior to COVID nineteen. Again, you had no choice but to do it or figure out what you were going to do in the midst of the pandemic. And I feel as if that in itself, too, is a form of inequity and, and, and not a deliberate inequity, but an inequity because of the fact that, you know, um, you might be stuck in your ways. And, you, you know, mm. you, 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 like if it's a broke, you know, you have a you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix the mentality. But at the same time, like, how does it help a student? when he or she does not know how to go about making that pivot as well. Because I feel as if a lot of students with the distance learning itself, a lot of students struggled because they never did an online class. And as a result of not doing an online class or, or, or being geared with technology, you know, they kind of just, you know, you know, uh, struggled with reaching out. And, I, and, and again, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because you know, especially at the university that we teach at, we have students, you know, who come from different backgrounds, you know, different classes, different age groups, and, you know, they're all trying to do this one thing. So I can only imagine the amount of frustration it is on both parts, on the faculty and as well as the students. What do you think? So a couple things to that. I have, I have a couple I could add, right? And thank you for asking that question. I think it's a great question, you know? Um, so a couple of thoughts, and I hope I answered the question and through this, right? Um, I completely agree. Uh, I think the lack of the uh, expanding that technological toolbox, you know, before COVID, right? So, hold on, maybe I'll start from a different perspective. Sorry if I sound confusing. We all had to react to COVID. So, right, we all had to react. We weren't prepared. We just reacted, right? Or, you know, education as, as a whole. However, if we had built up that technological toolbox, which exists, this might have been smoother and we might have been a little bit more prepared. Yeah. And to the point Kevin, you made and John was making, you know, if we're not prepared, if we don't understand, let's say, Zoom and how to use Zoom and how to use it, you know, active learning strategies. And I'm just using Zoom as one. Right. Like, let's say that's your, one of your tools. If we don't know how to use it, how are we going to explain it to a student how to use it? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if we could have moved um, this model much earlier, I think we would have gotten around a lot of our issues. And what do I mean by that? So, you know, what we found is distance, distance education kind of works for high, higher education, right? Because yeah. think about it, most, most students right now are family, you know, have families to take care of, they work, they do all these other things, coming to class for three hours a week, it might be really hard, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So now they could be at home, turn their video off and participating in lecture, yeah. right? Or put their kids to bed and still go to class. Why couldn't we have moved that much sooner, right? When we've had these tools to begin with for a long time. Um, this is a conversation I would have loved for Peter to jump in on too, because as somebody who works in information technology, he always has some interesting insights and in how much we misuse technology, right? Or like, we don't use it to its full potential, right? So right. like he, he often shows me my iPhone. He's like, you use like one eighth of this or, you know, we don't even realize how much power this thing has, right? The, the average end user, 
right? Yeah. So we could have, to me, now looking back sort of in the middle towards the end of the pandemic, I think as educators, we could have built out more of a toolbox before this. And I think we would be better helping, better serving our students had we done that. Oh, Kevin, I think, yeah. Kevin, I think, I think you make a, a key point here in terms of what we did in the classroom. And it, I, I could say this with 100% certainty that the three of us created a community of learners in our classrooms. Mm -hmm. and, be, and we made a classroom a safe place, a safe haven for students to exchange ideas, to, to mm -hmm. mull over what's happening, to fail, but then eventually succeed. Now we're putting it on a technological platform. And how do we do that? Because yeah. a, typical, a typical online class is you're given work week one week to week 15, right? You might not even know what the professor looks like if the professor doesn't take an opportunity to do a, a, you know, a selfie or a video. And now we've added another component, this synchronous component, where we have to do a Zoom meeting. And we have to, but like Lisa was saying, I teach three evening classes. A lot of my students are essential workers who are coming, barely coming back from work to get, get on my synchronous class session. And they don't have their video on because, like Lisa said, they're cooking the evening dinner for their family or they're eating themselves. I mean, when it's quiet, in the few seconds that it's quiet, I hear people chewing, <laughs> you know, they forgot to turn their mic off. <laughs> you know and i'm saying okay who's eating and why wasn't i invited you know? where's my, where's my, where's where's my, my plate <laughs> that that, that you you make you make a, a great point in that if we had had more time to do what we needed to do in terms of getting ourselves acclimated to, to the technology and then having the students acclimate to it it might have been a much smoother process, but, you know, time and pandemic changed right. that. And, and my first class that flipped, right? And it came pretty quickly. I remember calling you like a few days before and I'm like nervous, right? Even though like I know what I'm doing in a classroom, but I'm having all these different feelings. I'm like, who's listening? Like, are their parents going to listen to me too? You know, I had all these questions going through my head, you know? Um, you know, are they going to record? How, how is this going to go? You know? I had, I was nervous the first time, you know, but now I ran through my first series of classes and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know what I would do better. Right. Like I know how to do this now. Right. And that's practice with anything. But I think right. also um, to this question, it reminds me back to a, a concept John brought up earlier about reverse mentoring. Right. Um, and right before your class, John, right. Your first class that was going to go online you know, we were calling each other and I was walking you through the system. Mm -hmm. I was really walking you through the system. And finally I said, here, here, let's get on Zoom and I'm going to screen share this with you. Mm -hmm. And while you were on Zoom, you're like, hold on, let me do this. Let me make sure I know how to do this. Right. So we were teaching each other how to use the systems before classes went live. Yeah, we, we could have done that way before but this pandemic has added a new twist to this in terms of student knowledge base instructor knowledge base uh, i i found the term intergenerational codependence Ooh. we are all 
different generations in a classroom. You, you know, you said the wide variety. You have students coming right out of high school to, uh, you know, students with families uh, who haven't been in a classroom in 10 or 15 years. And we need to, to co-depend on each other mm. to navigate through a system that none of us are experts in. And how do we navigate that system? And how do we, as instructors, stay the humble people that we need to when we're told by, you know, someone who's 19 years old, these are the three things you have to do to get to what you need to do. And you're going, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a dinosaur. I'm T-Rex. I'm, you know, let's move me off into the pasture. Yeah. I got nothing to that dinosaur part. I just, I, I, I don't I either. Say, I'm I'm floored. I'm floored. That I was gotta sleep that I, one in for a second because I don't yeah. know what to say to that one. Um, I'm not yet fossilized, but I'm heading in that direction. Oh jeez. Um, but I get you. You know, I I understand what you're saying. You know, in the sense of that's true. You bring up a good point because in our classroom, I mean, I've had every people individuals up to seventy years old in my classroom. Mm. you know so I've also been in the classroom mm. where I felt like oh they're gonna call me out because I look 12 you know I look you know much younger I was worried that I, there, I was gonna get called out so I've had a classroom that has individuals who are you know 65 and 70 and the youngest person is about 20 yeah and and Kevin you, you started at the university teaching in the summer bridge program where the students were right out of high school and then right after you were taking you were teaching courses where the variety and age variety was unbelievable mm-hmm. oh my gosh you're absolutely right john it was such an adjustment for me because um uh, you know, teaching the summer bridge program, it, it, once I got through the, once I got through the uh, fact that, okay, like, you know, they're, you know, they're just now getting out of high school and they're about to enter college, you know, my, my middle school students were seventh and eighth grade. So I was like, you know what, let's just, um, just imagine that, you know, you're dealing with your middle school students, but they're a bit older, they're mature, and they just went through four years of high school. So after about a week or two, I was like, oh, this is not bad. I was like, I, I can, I can definitely do this because to me, it was just pretty much having that, you know, that older brother, big brother type of influence. So it was mm-hmm. fine. Transitioning into the fall, you're absolutely right, Uncle John. I felt as if, you know, um, and, we, and, and Lisa, you often talk about this on your podcast and as well as we've talked about it before offline, you know, you, you feel a, a form of uh, imposter syndrome coming on. Like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, are the older folks going to call me out? You know, this and that. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 uh, it's very refreshing when, you know, you might, you know, be reading a piece of literature that might, you know, come across or stumble up, uh, across a, the time period of like, you know, uh, antebellum slavery or whether it might be uh you know the Jim Crow era and the, and the segregation in the south and you're you're calling upon dates in your head and you're like oh my gosh I hope no one older than 45 50 calls me out and I hope the date's right and you know so that would actually believe it or not it would it would it would force me to double you know double check information you know fact check information and just to be more right. mindful so that way you know, um, not only am I privy to everything that I'm saying and, and, and that I'm spewing within the classroom, but that I also am well prepared. So that way, if this mm-hmm. does happen, you know, um, I, I, I can, you know, have a, you know, a very, you know, candid engagement 
with, um, you know, a variety of students about what it is that we're learning in general. And I think as an instructor, I think it's important to do that, right? It's not to say that, you know, you don't ever want to be wrong because you can definitely learn from your students as well, but it's also to make sure that they are getting their money's worth and that they are, you know, receiving an adequate education by someone who has put in the time and the effort to be there for them and to instruct them. Absolutely. But it's when even in the classroom, for me, when standing there with the gray hair, <laughs> no, but they know who the instructor is. Right. If you or Lisa would walk in and you mentioned the imposter syndrome, they're going to say, geez, it, when's the when's the instructor coming in? Just it's because true. of your youthful appearance. It's I mean, true. and it sets, you know, it, it sets a different dichotomy. For right. me, it, it's a very easy comfort level because I walk in, I'm probably the oldest one in the class, and I can start where the two of you walk in, and they're looking at you, and you're going, wow, the... How how long have they been out of, you know, getting their degrees? Are they still in school? Are they still in school? You know, and, and I think you bring up a good point. As you're saying, I was like feeling a couple different things. I was like flashing back to a couple of times. And I think that's true when we when I, I won't say we because I can't speak for Kevin. Right. But when I walk in a classroom, I sometimes feel like I have to clarify my position. Mm. You know, like I think and sometimes I do that non-verbally. I'm the one holding, you know, the teaching materials, right? right? So they see me coming in and I've got all the stacks of paper and the syllabus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I look, you know, like the TA, I don't want to look like a teaching assistant, right? And we, because uh, John and I have co-taught a lot of classes where he'll teach the English, I'll teach sociology, but we have the same group of students, right? Um, just different times. And in sociology, we can have these kinds of conversations, right? When we talk about age and, you know, when, when we talk about gender, it's, it's, this is uh, definitely a, a conversation we have. And I'll say, you know, a couple of professions and I'm like, do you think, you know, male or female, right? And whenever I get to college professor, they always say male, right? Mm -hmm. And then I always ask them like, do you, do you expect someone like me in front of your classroom? You know, and the answer is always no, you know, in, in, in a very community based, not like, no, you can't do this job. Just no, that's not the first type of image that comes to mind. The stereotype is the older, white, gray haired male, right. which unfortunately I fit or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I fit that description, right? And, and because we've co-taught, and because we've co-taught, we've often been in the classroom standing in front of them and like, okay. Which one of us do you expect to see in the classroom? And, you know, unanimously, they point to Uncle John, right? It's and, and you know, that's where we have these conversations. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it, too, especially if you're talking at the – if maybe if I was in high school or middle school, I would fit the, the profile, so to speak. Uh, but in college, you don't necessarily expect me to walk in front of your classroom. Absolutely. You know, I think you both bring up very, very prudent points. Um, but I, you know, what I've also noticed, too, is that if you come into the classroom as an instructor, um, you know, prepared, you know, punctual um, and, 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 and very informative and, and in such a way in which you, you show that you have that poise and as well as the, the, inte the intellectual foundation to, to disseminate and as well as you the information and the material to the students, they're very receptive of, of that and they're very keen on it. They pick up on it very quickly. They're, they're very sharp. And so I, I, I say that because I remember one semester we were talking about our final paper and 
uh, the one one student was writing something in regards to to to, uh, to, to domestic violence, and then the 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 case or or the point of the movie uh, Enough uh, by Jennifer Lopez, uh, which came out in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and and I remember I was saying, wow, you see the way he or she did that, the way they connected this movie in such a way in which they didn't really go off on a tangent about the film, but they used it as a nice reference point in, in regards to domestic violence and, 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 and how it may affect, you know, the dynamics uh, of, of a relationship, um, you know, within a household. And I remember telling them, yeah, well, you know, such a great, such a great film and such a great reference point. You know, I, I was just a little boy, 10 years old, whatever, when that came out, whatnot. And I swear to you, like, everyone just looked up at me and they gasped. And I was just like, are you all okay? And then they're mm-hmm. like, it's just that we thought you were older. I was like, really? I was like, I thought you guys thought, I, mind you, this is like little the second to last class of the semester. I was like, I thought yeah. you thought I was younger. And they're like, no, I mean, well, you look young, but you carry yourself so well that they were, that they were like, it's a, it, it was impossible for us to think that you were under 30. And I was just like, oh, wow. So like, if you don't say anything and you just carry yourself a certain way, you know, th- that might be a, 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 um, a form of them thinking that you might be way beyond your years too, you know? So I think it's just kind of interesting in terms of like, you know, how we carry ourselves and how we go about, you know, um, having and engaging in intellectual discourse with students that it may kind of skew their perspective or throw them off course in regards to what they think or what their previous initial biases were about you, you know? I I agree. And I think, you know, that, that makes, yeah, if I could speak English, would be good, right? <laughs> um, I, just as you were talking, Kevin, I was thinking of a lot of different things as well. You brought up some great memories. And I think, too, I keep students guessing because I never tell them how old I am. I may sometimes right. like, hint at something, but I know they want to ask, but they won't. Like, the, you know, just out of respect, they won't. Um, but what I will say is Uncle John sometimes gives them the biggest hint because he likes to tell them, I've been teaching 34 years and I've been teaching as long as she's been alive. Wow. (laughs) You know what? And the funny part about it is when students ask how old I am, I always say, figure this out. I was born when John F. Kennedy was president and Pope John the 23rd was Pope. And they all of a sudden, the Alexa, (laughs) can you tell me when? And then narrows down the date. Uh, But you know, for you, you know, it's it's the burden of being a child prodigy and a genius, Kevin. That, know. You know, it, oh, it's, tough. it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. And you, and you know what's interesting, too? It's so funny how, as an instructor, you pick up on things so quickly in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, being on the side of the instructor. Because as soon as they all looked up at me and they gasped and then they were like, oh, wow, we would have never thought, you know, because you carry yourself so well. I was like, rookie mistake, rookie, don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Learned it very it. quickly. Yep. <laughs> I just got. Oh, man, I just got sucked into the the magnesium of the conversation that it just. I didn't think about it. I just said it. You know, it, it, it was yeah. it was very interesting. But I was like, okay, lesson learned, Rook. I was like, I was like, you, now you know, now you know. Don't put the don't put the ingredients into the pudding before it's served. Just, just let it. Well, try. but you know, I think that also speaks to I know something, Kevin. And I you have taught we have talked about offline, right, is, you know, when I first started teaching, I felt like they didn't need to know me, you know, like I, but I'm a very private person, right? Like I had right. to work through that, you know, at that of time. Course. Of course. Um, and I was just like, no, I'm just here. I'm the teacher or whatever. You just need to know what my credentials are. And I realized the longer I started teaching, the more I like let that go over time. And mm-hmm. I would just let them into my life a little bit. Right. And that's mm-hmm. just right. me as a person letting someone else in my life. And then I would say something about, 
you know, uh, uh, my nephews or, you know, I would, I would share something. I still keep my age a secret until uncle John calls me out, but that's, that's a whole different story. <laughs> I just like keeping, I'm guessing, but I, what I realized over time is um, two things is that students who, you know, it, it created more community in the classroom and it was a more, you know, it was such a great environment after that because students really want to get to know who you are too a little bit. And once I started kind of disclosing that I was married or, you know, that I had a relationship as well, I know a lot of the young women in my class would like offline ask me, okay, how do you balance all this? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you do all this? You know, how do you make all of this work? And, you know, to what you were saying, this big brother role, I became more of this big sister role. And I'm totally fine to do that because I think oftentimes students need that, you know, they need that person to tell them the truth and tell them like, this is how I did it you know mm-hmm. right see now i i take it from a different perspective i can get away with because of my age and vast experience these these are the pearls of wisdom that i can provide to you you know and give you that warning and they they you know oh grandpa's giving us another uh, lecture but he they're at least listening mm. in that regard i i think for for both of you the fact that you're genuine and authentic in the classroom with students makes a huge difference. Mm. And if you're not genuine and you're not authentic, they will see you, they will see through you, and they mm. then you've lost some credibility. Mm. Wow. Yeah. True. And um, I completely agree. And just for the record, um, if you ever want to take an English class, I would highly recommend doing it with either John or Kevin. Uh, they're the only oh, people that shit. I would teach with, uh, that I would want to learn from. And if you are in Uncle John's class and you are not doing well, you do not want to be that student because he will chase you down till you do what you're supposed to because he just wants you to succeed. Okay, mm. so he is truly the like I've seen him literally chase students down and be like, I need this paper and this paper and why aren't you doing what you're doing? And da, 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 da. And he seems very scary, but he's doing it out of love. Like he's doing it out of all the love in his heart so that you will be successful. And that's the kind of educators that I'm so grateful that I get to work with. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. You are, you are too kind. uh, No, no, I'm, I'm only telling the truth. Um, So we our intergenerational workplace conversation went into our love of teaching and um, all the things that we have learned, but I still think it's all relevant that it all sort of played in because we still are talking a lot about mentoring each other. Mentoring, collaboration, this codependence model, it's all part of the way we weave the classroom situation every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting? It's it's 2020 now, right? And, you know, um, I I myself, I, I graduated from college uh, December of 2013, and I received my master's in May of 2017. And from my time of being in college from, 20, from 2009 to 2013 and graduating from grad school in 2017 to now, I've seen higher education and the, and the paradigm of it itself change so much. So it leads mm-hmm. me to wonder what will higher ed look like in 2030, 2040, because it's right. moving at such a rapid pace that it's unbelievable. Right. Not a problem. I'll be bringing my walker to into class every day by then. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. The way the way the way you carry yourself, I think you've got a lot of great years ahead of you, Uncle John. You're just in your prime. 
You're I, I have told Uncle John he can retire when I retire. Yes. <laughs> he cannot retire before me. And I have told Peter that the day John tells me he retires, I'm going to go cry in a corner for a month. Like, don't talk to me. Just let me go cry. Okay. Yeah. Like, that's... Eh, I think I got another 15 more good years in, in front of me. But so if you need to take those English classes, students, you got 15 more years. Yes. Take them. Take them all. Take them all. Take, take them, them all. all. Actually, I was talking to someone this week who wished that they took their year class. I'm like, you know, um, anyway. So, but like, I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about is like, we're mentoring each other. Yeah. You know, we really are because, and if I could share another quick story and I truly didn't give John's bio justice when I first started. because I was so excited to jump into this conversation, but mm -hmm. John has taught every grade level from mm. preschool to grad school. Oh my okay. gosh. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. John has taught every grade level from preschool through, through graduate school. Okay. He is a decorated educator. I mean, I, I, I can't even do his educational biography justice. He has two master's degrees. One of them being from Harvard. Yes. Wow. One of them, one of them being from Harvard. And I mean, there's no better there's I'm, I'm just constantly in awe of his bio and what he can do as an educator and I didn't know all this when I first started right this is all the stuff that I've learned as working with with him but I remember you know I know I share this with you Kevin that the first year I was at uh, at the university I was an adjunct and John and I had met but we kind of saw each other in passing right so I was getting to know people on campus and then I was hired full-time in May but my full-time position didn't start till August so I still had seen John here and there, but again, it was in passing, right? And it comes about October, we're in the same, we're in the same um, office space and we're having a group conversation with some of our colleagues. And we're, for some reason, we're talking about age. <laughs> and I, in that time, disclosed what year I was born. <laughs> and John looks at me in the face and tells me, I hate you. Oh, and wow. I, yes. And I looked at him and I'm like, I was terrified for a second. So I'm like, I had gotten to know him. I started to respect him. And I'm like, what did I do to this man? Like, I, I, I was terrified for 30 seconds. Right. And he goes, the year you were born is the year I started teaching. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So my fear went to light bulb moment. I was like, this man has been teaching as long as I've been alive. I need to learn everything he knows. And then I continued to follow him around for like the next few years, right? So why do I share that story now and, and all the, the funny parts? Take those mentoring opportunities when they come, you know? And I didn't really tell him that until like recently that I kind of looked up to him as a mentor. I didn't say like, hey, can you be my mentor? I just followed him around in an almost creepy way, but it was okay. It was fine. Um, <laughs> I was a bit confused sometimes, but we won't go there. <laughs> but taking that opportunity to learn, you know, and to share that information, you know, as much as I, you know, can say it in a funny way, here's the thing. It worked because he was willing to share with me. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all willing to share with like all the stuff that we're doing. I'm not sure. For both of you, I was so willing to share as so willing to learn from both of you. That was, for me, the most important piece. Because 
you're either green or growing or you're ripe and rotting in terms of your knowledge base. And you two have so much to give and so much for me to learn mm. that it would be for me uh, a lost opportunity if I hadn't connected with both of you. And I, I say that in all honesty, because mm. it's important, you know, it's good to collaborate. It's good to be collegial. But when you find special people like the both of you who zero in and they, you guys have such exceptional skill sets that I love to sit down. I mean, many times I'd sit down at the CTE with you and just pick your brain, Kevin. And yeah. you're, you're, I'm not even sure you realize my motive behind that. <laughs> no. it, was like, it was like I'm learning so much from him. Wow. That, you know, that it, it, it's new perspective, new ideas, new strategies, just just, in, you know, for me, that that allows for the growth because I've been through, you know, sometimes after 35 years of teaching, you, you can go into that pattern where, you know, you can call you can just call it from home, you know, I just I'll call it in <laughs> right. for me that 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 when that happens. I'll be done. Uh, you'll mm. you'll be coming to my retirement party. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But but for the that's why the two of you, even though you're millennials, you know, and I say that with all the love of my heart, you know. Um, <laughs> for me, th that's the special piece. It's a special piece that it, that intergenerationally we can work, we can collaborate, we can learn from each other, we can listen from each other. And eventually, our students benefit. Mm. And, you know, sort of close out our conversation, too, with that, you know, where we've, we've spent the time talking about this in higher ed, right? Because we work in higher ed, and that's where we're passionate about, right? Um, but I think really all of these lessons go to any industry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Any any industry, whether we're talking about healthcare, whether we're talking about, you know, insurance or whatever, you know, it's this learning from each other. So uh, even if you think you don't, even if you think school's not for you or you don't want to go to college, just always keep learning, you know, and that could be from your colleagues, your friends, anybody like that. And um, find wonderful people in that place to work with. Surround, yeah. Surround yourself with mentors and the mentors can be younger than you. Mm -hmm. In my case, I got two of them, and we just, I just, <laughs> oh, you're talking about us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Write that down. I'm, you're my mentor. Oh. Oh, very, very sweet. Oh, man. I'm, 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 I'm honored. I'm honored to share such, you know, I'm just honored to share such, you know, uh, intimate as well as just, you know, outstanding spaces you know with you both in terms of just being able to you know constantly you know dissect information process information and as well as you know learn about our characters of students too and you know what their faults are as well as what what their strengths might be too so that way we're all privy and aware as to you know their their their, their different tricks of the trade um but other than that it's just it's just amazing to you know, um, find myself in a in an institution or a space where there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of um, room for growth, and as well as uh, chances to just you know to op opportunities um, is the better word to improve as an educator. Because I feel as if um, 
not many. And again, I'm, I don't say this to uh, to bring down or to chastise any institutions, but I feel as if not many newcomers or instructors can can really, you know, implement or integrate themselves within a space where they will find a lot of um, attention, or they will find, um, you know, faculty members that you know make the time to, you know, help them get adjusted and as well as situated with the, you know, just the, the, the lays of the land and, and, and things of that nature. So I thank you both for that so much. And um, a lot of the stuff you, you both did for me, it really helped me grow so much over the past year because, you know, now I try to run away from like, you know, the, 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 the summer bridge slash EOP students, but the advisors know that my classes are going so well that they keep throwing them at me. So it's a great problem to have. And it's yeah. like every semester it's like, you know, I'm filling out these reports, but I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way because I love connecting with those kids and I love working with them. And it's cool because like, even though I have to cater at this point to all students of every demographic and age ranges now, it's like, I still get a chance to, you know, um, speak, you know, to the youth as well um, and still maintain uh, that camaraderie and build those relationships with them. And oftentimes they, they'll, they'll get to my class early just to make a bit of conversation about certain things going on that I can still relate to and whatnot. So it's, it's cool. It's just really cool and such a blessing to be able to play all aspects of the field and to just grow together because I think the beauty of education and especially higher ed um, as an instructor and as a student at this very moment you know, in time, particularly, is that everyone is in discourse, you know, with each other, and a 19-year-old is learning something from a 45-year-old and vice versa, you know, regardless on what the topic of discussion for the day is. So it's excellent, and I just thank you both, and it's always a pleasure being here with you all, and I can't wait to do this again. Every time we are around each other, even though we haven't been around each other physically, you know, all three of us same time it's just always great so I, I just say thank you both and I'm looking forward to many more you know academia and as well as scholarly moments you know down the road with both of you fellow colleagues but Kevin I want to remind you the students that you have worked with are the students who struggle the most and they need the best and that's why you're there thank you Uncle John that that's very very I, I don't take that lightly I really do I, I that's very very humbling and I appreciate you saying that thank you so much thank you yeah, and send the check whenever you can, you know. He had, yeah. he had to follow it up with a joke. Right, right, right. Like, it was such a beautiful moment. Right, right, he had right. to break the mood. Exactly, um, exactly. Well, if I, if, I see a, if I see an invoice coming and it'll come in my mouth, I know exactly where it came from. Thanks, Tom. I love it. And that is why we call him Uncle John. Absolutely. Yeah, he had to take that nice moment and make a joke out of it. But No, certainly. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. Thank you for your conversation, for your time, and for your insights. I appreciate that because it's way past my bedtime and we have to say bye-bye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. I really appreciate it. I think we have so much more to talk about and there could be like 10 more episodes. Easily. Easily. Thank you so yeah. thank you thank you so much Dr. W. It is always a pleasure and you too Uncle John. It is always a pleasure chatting with you both. Thank you, thank you. Thank so, you, thank you. and before we sign off, Kevin, how can people find you um, on social media? Absolutely. Thank you um, so much, Lisa. So I'll plug it in right now. Um, 
For those of you out there listening to the Progress Not Perfection podcast, you can find me online uh, personally um, at Kevin Unglad. So that's Kevin Unglad, A-N-G-L-A-D-E, and the number's 1-1. One, one. Uh, that's across all social medias, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And I'll I'll stop there. I'm, I'm not going to Snapchat, but you can find me there. Um, and as well as uh, um, my podcast with my co-host, uh, my good friend, Mark Pruden, you can find us online, all three socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at The Wise Guys NYC. That's at The Wise Guys NYC for New York City. We release episodes every Tuesday around 12 a.m. And we're looking forward to bringing you more episodes down the line with season two coming later this August. So thank you and Yay. tune in. Yay! I'm so excited. I'm a big fan. So please tune into the podcast. They have some great conversations. And I've learned a lot from Mark and Kevin, even though I've never met Mark and I can't wait to meet Mark. Uh, coming soon. Love- coming soon. I love um, just hearing their debates. And as far as if you want to find Vujek, uh, um, so sorry, that's the Polish way of saying Uncle John. Um, yeah. Feel free to free, bleh, feel free to call me. I'm his public relations person <laughs> in addition to his colleague. Um, <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> Um, this is just the nature of a relationship. So if you do, if you ever have any questions for Uncle John, feel free to send me a, a message on my Bell's Notebook, uh, Instagram or Facebook. I'm happy to pass along that information or do another podcast. Okay. Yeah. Thank you both for your thank time you. today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A pleasure. Visit us at www.bellsnotebook.com. Subscribe to our email list for all of our updates, like us on social media, and thank you for following along.